0: Voiceover Gurus podcast. I am your hostess, Linda Bruno. And today I am with the lovely and talented Tina Zaremba. Hello, Tina. Hi, Linda. <laughs> Tina, you and I have been friends for a while and we met um, in an unusual circumstance uh, way back. I mean, how long ago was it that you and I met? Oh my gosh. Probably at it's least years. eight years ago, maybe more. It was wild. Oh a while my ago. gosh. I know. So Tina is uh, like a major market. VO talent. And what I mean by that is that, you know, now nowadays in you know, old school, right, was we would have to move to a major market if we wanted to go after the bigger clients. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about like how you got started. You're from the Midwest, right? I am. I'm a Michigan girl <laughs> holding my hand up right now,
1: pointing to the area <laughs> that I'm from in Michigan, as all Michiganders do. <laughs> And you went to acting school, right? I did. I uh, went to school at Lee Strasberg Theater Institute and then spent many a days banging my head against a brick wall and waiting tables trying to get acting gigs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And now this is in Michigan? No. Okay. So I was in school in Michigan, had an opportunity. I was doing a play, and the woman who wrote the play was from New York, and she kept saying, You've got to come to New York. You've got to come to New York. And Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, um, her significant other was Sidney Kingsley, who was a major playwright in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. had a scholarship at Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. And I said, well, I'm looking at Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, but I don't know. And about an hour later, I got a call from the school offering me a scholarship. So oh, I just goodness. I know. It was really serendipitous. I just packed everything up and a month later bought a one-way ticket and moved to New York.
0: Wow. Yes. And how old were you? I was young. I was in my 20s. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. So now you came with the, uh, the intention. You weren't thinking about voiceover at that point. Oh, no. I didn't even. When I thought of
1: voiceovers, I thought of Kathleen Turner and James Earl Jones, people who have these really distinct voices. I did not think that mine was anything unique. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not. I book jobs that I sound like the everyday mom. So Right,
0: yeah, right, right. So, okay, so then you made the big move to New York, and like you said, you were waiting tables and going to school and all that. So then what, at what point did you decide you were going to try and dip your toe in the VO pool?
1: Okay, so probably about eight years later in my 20s, I had a little bit of a crisis where I was like, okay, I have to grow up now. And I got a corporate job. <laughs> yeah, <gasps> this, is, this is not working. And I got a corporate job, and I was miserable. And it was actually my therapist <laughs> <laughs> who – I didn't say that for a long time, but now I'm just like, whatever. It was my therapist who did not say um, voiceovers. She said, well, you always liked acting. Why don't you get back into acting? And I was like, oh, no. I need to be I- – I need to grow up. And then she said, well, I know a person who is um, a children's entertainer, and I think you should meet her. And I was like, uh, I don't even know if I like kids. No. No.
0: <laughs> Much less. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I ended up meeting this woman and her name is Whitney Mallon. She's a huge voiceover talent here in New York. And her boyfriend, now husband, is a commercial, I don't know, commercial producer. And at the time, he was doing demos for people. Now oh, I cool. don't recommend this for talent that are looking to get <laughs> into the market, even people who have like an acting background. But for right? some reason, I was just like, I want to do that. And Gave him money to do a demo. Had never done any voiceovers. Oh, my gosh. I know. Did the demo and then um, sent a bunch out. And then September 11th happened. And I was like, oh, Oh. my God. The world is falling apart. This is not going to happen. I'm actually looking at my demo right now from back then. In 2001, wow. it's here in my little studio, funny with a funny font, all <laughs> curly cues. I'll have to sh- send you a photo. I thought I was so please, creative. Please, <laughs> It's so dated. Anywho, um, but ICM ended up calling me probably a month after September 11th. and they now, ICM is a big, a big agency. In New uh, York. In New York. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, are they still? Did they become someone else? No,
1: no, no. They're still. However, they don't rep the everyday talent for voice. I think they're just celebrities now.
0: Okay, for gotcha. voiceover.
1: And then they, you know, uh, authors and actors and whatnot. But they thought, first of all, I think that my first agent, David Coakley, who's just a deer, thought that I was related to Karen Ziemba because my last name is Zaremba. I he, he just <laughs> saw the Z. So that kind of got me in the door. And then he thought I was from uh, the Chicago market because the demo was really good. But you need to be able to back up your demo, right?
0: And right. so
1: I got signed. Ooh, this is amazing. <laughs> Linda, for a whole year, I went out. And this is early 2000s. So, you know, it was, well, we didn't have the home studios the way right. that we do now. So I was going out, going out for a whole year. I did not book. I was crying all the time. Oh my God. Well, then it was like, hello, you need to coach. And I started working with wow. coaches
0: yeah wow so you that's a yeah a very different way to, to approach now you and I were both like pounding the pavement at the same time because I moved I got married in 1999 and then I moved into Manhattan right after September 11th oh, so right what? at that period of time I was basically going to all the casting agents and everything over in I, you know, I lived in Chelsea which I thought was very convenient because so many of the casting directors were down oh, in that yeah. area Liz Lewis yeah Yes. Malsky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so so, but for me, you know, I I got like extremely lucky when I moved up to New York, and I booked a. Remember the Kinney Shoes, the remember
1: what Kinney Shoes,
0: <laughs> Kinney. Remember the company Kinney Shoes. They were a really big like national chain of shoe stores. Okay. Kinney K I N N E Y, and I wound up booking like a bunch of radio spots for uh. them. And it was my first taste of like residuals and all this. And I had just moved to New York. So I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know, I was just (laughs) like and the checks would come like every like two weeks. I'd get a new check. And so I got really spoiled. And then I didn't book another job for six months. <laughs> oh, and I was yeah. crying going, I don't get it. I just I, I, I booked this fantastic job and I no one will give me the time of day. And I was auditioning. I was going out, you know, multiple times and nothing for six months. Talk about a hit to the ego, right? Yeah. So what
1: did you do to kind of get
0: yourself back in the game mentally? I mean, I struggled because, you know, a lot of people, well, people are dealing with it now in a different way, but with casting directors, I don't know if you had this situation, but with them, they were all very nice and all very like, great, sounds good. Have a nice day. And I would never get any feedback on my performance. And everybody was just so nice. And I knew I knew it was kind of like a number. Okay, next. Let's get the next person in Uh here. Next person in here. Um, so I had a very difficult time because I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but obviously if I'm not booking jobs, I must not be, you know, Mm -hmm. so I started to have those doubts. I mean, I worked in radio at the same time, so that kept me busy, but I, it was tough, you know, which is why I encourage people to get coaching and all that. That way you can get that feedback that you need. Totally. um, But yeah, I don't know. Did you find the same thing with the casting directors? Were they giving you feedback or? Oh gosh, no. And. Yeah. No, my first job,
1: thinking of your Kenny Shoes, was for a national network for Airwick. So that okay. ended up being huge. It was like all these nice. residuals. And my, I remember my husband forecasting out what I should be making the next year. And he's <laughs> like, oh, if you're making this, then by this you should have this. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like that at all. I think I could have, like, collected <laughs> welfare. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken a class on business
0: to be truthful and what it means to have your own
1: business. Um, yes. When I first got into this.
0: But. Yeah. So, how did you handle with the ego? Uh, you know, the, you know get, getting the, the rejections that, you know, everybody has to deal with. But, you know, when you're in a major market and you're face to face with people, you know, the auditioning process is different, you know, because it's a live situation. But how, how did you handle the emotional roller coaster of it all? Oh, for a long time, I did not handle it. I mean, I was trying
1: to be everyone but me, right? And mm. therapy. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be completely transparent, it was hard. I mean, as lovely as voiceover talent is, at the end of the day, one person's going to get the job. And so at times, I definitely felt people sizing people up, and it wasn't always kumbaya. Um, mm mm-hmm. That said, it for me, it finally really took when I just stopped resisting who I was and focusing on the sound of my voice and focusing on what everyone else was doing. Just, I don't know, not to get too woo-woo, but that's kind of where I play. Um, mm-hmm. When I just surrendered to everything, like how wow. I was feeling, like shit, not denying that and really sinking into not denying that I was nervous and scared and, you know, Mm -hmm. would anything happen. When I fully owned all of it, then things started to shift. And it wasn't like overnight. I'm not some unicorn, right, where I was like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm making six (laughs) figures. Uh, It it was a slow build. And it's still up and down. But I don't focus so much on what am I doing wrong? What
0: is everyone else doing?
1: Mm -hmm. That's great.
0: Yeah. I know I got to that point myself when I wasn't booking jobs and I was going, you know, I went went, went that six months, seven months without booking anything. And I remember getting to the point where I was like, I'm going to quit. Yeah. Because this this I must not be good enough to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a very vivid memory. I went in for an audition and I remember being the last person they were seeing because they told me, oh, you're number 50 uh, today. So you're yeah. the last person we're seeing. I was like, all right. And I think my I don't give a shit attitude really helped because at this point I was so like okay whatever you know I you know so I do the read um it was for an AT&T um subsidiary and you and yeah and I but the thing is I go home and I was going to a concert with my husband driving to Jones Beach I looked at him I go I'm quitting I'm quitting I'm terrible at this and he's like you're not quitting the right producer's gonna hear you he gave me the big pep talk rah 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 and then the next morning of course the agent calls and says guess who got the campaign Ah. and I I had I took me though to the brink of fail like complete utter failure and giving up before yeah. another you know little peach arrived and that's the part that I know with you as well we have to go through this emotional roller coaster and people are going through it now on a you know a different level because you're auditioning for 50 things with people you've never seen before um but still you have to be able to be tough <laughs> yeah because how, how else do you do it I feel
1: like now I don't know if you feel this way it's a little easier in that with the technology and being able to work with people all over the world you're not as dependent on one agency to yes bring you all your work and so yes. th- that also I feel like I bought into the whole starving artist mentality for a long time. You know, you think of chorus line and God, I hope I get it. And Oh wow, yeah. When I started to shift more into mm, like an entrepreneurial mindset or mm-hmm. just just being in the moment and as you said, not giving a shit so much. I mean, we're not doing heart surgery here, people. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> just letting go. And for a long time I had a corporate job. I mean, I was terrified and I had, you know, multiple national network commercials going on. It was a good income, but I was just so scared of what would happen and that I would, you know, be on welfare and then we would be on the street and I would be living in a cardboard box. I mean, I could give you this story. It was really detailed. So, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, (laughs) (laughs) About keeping it together with the,
0: the ups and downs. Yeah. Now, though, being able to connect with people all
1: over and... It feels like a little more of the power is within us. Well, we always did have the power. I guess it's kind of like Dorothy with right. the golden slippers or whatever.
0: Well, I think that, like, I, I know for me when I was first starting in New York, the agent was the the like the the like yeah. golden chalice that you had to get to be able to get your foot in the door um, for the bigger clients, which definitely is true. Right. Um, but I wound up placing my agents on such this throne. Girl. And— yeah. Right. And then I became intimidated. And finally, you know, I, I wound up only having to come down to earth with them when I went through a divorce and suddenly was like, I have to go out and take control of my own career because I would just wait by the phone for them to yeah. call me to send me on stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's very tough. You can't you know, the majority of the people out there can't make a living unless you're you know, you you already have set clients and all that. A lot of people can't make it with that alone. No, Um, no. And that's what's so beautiful about this new paradigm
1: is that we mm -hmm. don't have to rely solely on our agents. I mean, they're wonderful, but they're just a piece of the pie in my uh,
0: revenue, right, source. Right. Yes. And you have to get to that. I mean, at least we had to get to that point. Um, you know, to be able to say, OK, wait a minute, I do have control over my career. And like you said, become the entrepreneur and go out and seek the clients mm-hmm. um, and do the auditions. And, you know, you have the chat with the agent and you say, hey, are you cool with me being repped in another market or whatever it is out of respect? Yeah. Um, but they understand. And now they've come to the party as well to understand how everything has changed.
1: Oh, it's a whole new world. I'm going to start singing that song. Uh,
0: and I feel like um,
1: people who get into the industry now, in some ways, they don't see what it used to be, which was, you know, the old model of pounding the pavement and relying solely on your agent to bring in these gigs for you.
0: Yes. Yeah, I know. And maybe that's a good thing that they don't know about that. Yeah, but. Totally. I know that like years ago uh, when my agents, the New York agents anyway, would, would look at me and go, wow, you have your own studio? They were fascinated by the concept of me having my own studio and doing work with people that were not you know in in the circles of where they were (laughs) booking jobs and they would ask me questions and go so what's that like (laughs) and what kinds of things are you doing and i would think to myself guys you're gonna have to get on the get on the boat here because the boat is sailing without you know people seeing each other anymore face to face right Um, and thank thankfully they are they are you know updating themselves Yes,
1: yes. No, I fully agree with you. I mean, you were the one who was really instrumental in me taking the leap to be truthful. And I, you know, I shared that with you that you're like, you know what? You you can do this. You basically kind of take back the power and put yourself out there. But but I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, that in our culture, we kind of have this learned helplessness where we Mm. want someone else to make it happen for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just get to a point where you realize,
0: No one is going to make it happen for you. You got to do it on your own. Yeah, I think that there's this romantic idea of an agent, you know, and like that the agent is once I get an agent, that's it. You know that that agent's going to bring me that because people will say, oh, does your agent bring you jobs? And I say, no, my agent brings me auditions. (laughs) I'm responsible still for booking the job. Um, And that's why I have to have my own source of revenue because I can't be reliant on one avenue of auditions. Yeah. I mean, I feel like
1: entertainment and the media for so long kind of portrayed agents as, you know, they're in their office with the, the hat on and the cigar and they're getting the work and they're working for you and you got an audition here and you got an audition there, honey. And it's not, maybe it was that way in the 80s and 90s, but in 2000, it really started to change. I mean, I was going out a lot more than I am now. Now the auditions that I get from my New York
0: agent, I do them here and you got to turn them around quick. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's, that's that's the way that uh, things have changed, which is a good thing. Yep, And I also say to the students that I work with that an agent
1: takes 10 percent. So you should be doing 90 percent of the work. Oh,
0: that's a great, great little analogy. That, I wish I did not come up with Yum. that. Someone else did. I forgot. <laughs> but anyways. So now do you, you teach via Skype? How do you do your lessons? So
1: I do. I used to do one-on-one coaching. That's shifting. And now I do via Zoom. Um, an online class that was called the copy class. And we would work on copy as well as mm-hmm. um, really looking at uh, other aspects of our lives. Because I think that talent is like, well, I just need to be good in voiceovers. But yet, if your confidence is lacking, if you're just about doing, 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 doing. Another great co- quote I heard is, your doing is only as effective as your being. That was Jim Fortin. And so who are you being as a human being? How are you showing up in all aspects of your life? Because mm. we're whole beings. We're not these little compartmentalized people, even if we want to be. We're just not. So is it,
0: is it more of a holistic approach to, you know, a whole... Um approach to the whole being for voiceover yeah
1: you know we're right now we're um looking at renaming the course to be more applicable to what it is that I do and we were looking at um oh god what were the names like the inner work of uh voiceovers where we you know one week we focus on what is your why why are you doing voiceovers if you're just doing it for a paycheck then go do something else. Like you have to right. have a bigger motivation that's going to drive you, especially when things are quieter. Um, mm-hmm. And really looking at what is the end game for you too. What what would be the ultimate picture for you, for your voiceover that's career? And what do you like doing in voiceovers? So I was raised by that's two psychologists. I kind of got to incorporate
0: that in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that is such a huge portion of it. You know, the mental is such a huge aspect. That's a wonderful thing to be training. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Wow, that's great. Well, you're going to have to... I'm starting to have some classes here on Long Island, workshops that I'm starting to advertise. One of these times you'll have to take the the train, honey, I come out to Long Island. (laughs) Oh, I did it before when we met for lunch. I loved it. You did. You did. You'd come out to the sticks and uh, come have a class. Yeah, we're trying to cater to the Long Island market for folks that really don't want to go into the city or they'd rather have something more local. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the focus. But I I really like that. So now if somebody wanted to take a class with you, how would they go about finding you? They would go to
1: TinaZaremba.com and they would find me there. I have a free five-day VO challenge and you can go to training slash challenge and you'll find it. And it's five recordings that will take someone through what I see as kind of the foundational steps to building a successful voiceover career.
0: That's wonderful. Thanks, Excellent. Linda. Well, I'm so happy we were able to chat and for giving me the this time. Um, and good luck with everything and I'm know I'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, we got to do our uh, margaritas this stuff. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And this was another episode of the VoiceOver Gurus podcast. I'm Linda Bruno with Tina Zaremba, and I'll post some links up there too so people can find you easier as well. Thanks so much, Tina. Talk to you soon.